If you're lucky, you listen to them talk. They're on their way up and they can't stop. For all things great iron and hard top, it's Kevlu and Steve since the sandbox. Guys, as we're wrapping up week eight, what a week it was. There were so many games. There were so many different outcomes. And I honestly have to say that this was the least predictable week of the season so far. So you guys know it's the first episode of the week. We're coming in with our impressions. And guys, we're going to start with all of our upsets. And the first game that I want to start with an upset for, because I thought this team was a guaranteed win, was the Titans versus the Bengals. The Bengals crept away at the end of the game, and they played good throughout. I honestly have to say the Titans made some acquisitions after the game to load up. I don't know if you guys saw, but they traded for the cornerback Desmond King off the Chargers. I think that'll be a good acquisition for them. But I honestly thought in the game that Derrick Henry should have been more of a factor. I mean, you got 18 carries, but he had, what, like five or six like average yards per carry? I feel like he definitely should have demanded the ball a little more, and I know they don't want to run him to the ground. But I feel like if he got the ball 30 times compared to 18, the Bengals probably wouldn't have been on the field to score that many touchdowns. Yeah, and honestly, this game for me really told me more about the Bengals than the Titans. I think they'll bounce back. They're still a clearly better football team and a good football team. But I think we've really found out now with this game and the game versus the Colts and their games in previous weeks that the Bengals aren't an easy out. Like Joe Burrow's legit. Their offense is legit. And the defense can show up at times. So this is a, a solid team. They're not going to win a ton of games, but they're no easy out. Like the Bengals are no longer a team that you can just roll through like the Jets. They're just not in that category anymore, and, and they proved it back-to-back weeks. To add on to what Lou said, I mean, that the Bengals have four solid receivers. You know what I mean? Say what you want about A.J. Green, but those four receivers, they have are really good, and obviously we know what Joe Burrow can do. So they can cause a lot of problems for defenses, especially – in games like this where teams and analysts and everyone are coming in expecting such a blowout, it can really, you know, it, it can flip on you in a second when you have a wide receiver core like that. And Joe Burrow's hungry. He wants to show the league what he has. So if their defense can can put together stops, then their offense is, is going to be fine, not only this season, but for the next few seasons to come. Yeah, and Kev, that's an interesting way to end that because the next few seasons to come, that division is going to have – a lot of moving pieces. I mean, Big Ben's only going to be with Pittsburgh a couple more years, if anything, beyond this year. The Ravens are really going through an interesting stretch. And, guys, before we do anything else, I have to say, if I was to do the power rankings over right now, the Steelers would be ahead of the Ravens. That game did show me a lot, but we'll talk more about that after. But, yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow is definitely looking promising for, for the Bengals. And if they can build the defense around him and even just a half-decent, half-average defense, I feel like that's a team that, that can really compete. And they have more of a promising future than the Browns do. And I think all of us here would, would say that that's a guarantee. But, guys, to move to another game, uh, this was a division game that was tough but definitely didn't have the expected outcome that we thought. The Vikings kind of handled business versus the Packers, 28-22 to win. And the, the story of the game was Dalvin Cook, four total touchdowns, 225 total yards. I mean, dude was an absolute monster. I um, mean, this is kind of what we were just saying in the last game, what we expected for Derrick Henry. And it's not even that, you know, the Vikings were playing bad. It's just the Packers were allowing so much to the run. 
So why not keep it going? And I, I kind of applaud it. And Dalvin Cook won me my fantasy week last week. So, so kudos to him. Thank you for that, Dalvin. If you could ever hear this, I appreciate you. But guys, definitely wasn't expecting the Vikings to win this one. Yeah, I wasn't either, but I think we, we learned a couple things that they're still a really legit offense, especially when, when Dalvin Cook is back there. And the Packers don't have a good run defense, and Aaron Jones means a lot to them. When he's not there, they're losing a blocker. They're losing a running back that's top tier, and they're losing a pass catcher that's top tier. And after Devontae Adams, I mean, who had all of their touchdown catches, I believe, there's really no one great to create separation on that team. I know a couple of guys, they have looked good while he was out, but now that he's there, I mean... Their offense has slowed down a little bit now that he's targeted so much. But yeah, their run defense isn't as great as we thought it was. And Aaron Jones is a gigantic piece of that offense. And they desperately need him back. Lou's right about the Vikings. When when Dalvin's healthy and he's doing his thing, they're a very good offense. And just to speak for itself, four touchdowns, Jordan, I mean, any guy that can generate that kind of offense, you're obviously going to be better with him on the field. But Lou's right. I mean, we saw it against Tampa Bay, and now we've seen it against Minnesota. They just, the Packers don't have a good run defense. And when you're going against teams that have top-tier running backs, you have to, if not stop them, at least slow them down. So that offense can put up a lot of points, but that defense also gives up a lot of points too. So that defense, if they can tighten up a little bit, I think they'll be fine. But that's that's two big losses, you know, in the last three weeks for the Packers now. Yeah, I'm not thinking too much into the Packers' loss. I mean, I think that's a division game. That game after Tampa Bay was definitely a confidence builder for all the Green Bay fans and Green Bay fantasy owners. But another tough game versus the 49ers this upcoming week. Lou has been saying it, been preaching it all to this point that there's two places that he does not play good, Aaron Rodgers, and that's in Tampa and in San Francisco, regardless of how healthy that San Francisco team may be. Um, I am still expecting Green Bay to have somewhat of their struggles, but definitely want to see a bounce back week. To move on, guys, to another game, and Kev, this one may tip a little bit to a joy hand in your fantasy team named the Fill My Cup, but we got the Rams versus the Dolphins, and Lou's been a big Dolphins guy. But, Lou, I have to say, that was a very shaky start for Tua. Thank God the Dolphins' defense and special teams played so well. So I have to give my kudos there. And we were talking about this a little bit, what the Dolphins are doing. You know, they really want to see the rest of the season what they can do with Tua. I don't think them starting him had much to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick and more to do with the organization. And, Lou, like you touched upon a little bit with that Houston pick and that deal that they made with Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and those guys, they could potentially have a top-five pick from Houston this year. And if Tua isn't the guy or doesn't look promising this year, they can definitely address the quarterback position in the offseason. Yeah, man, I was never a big Tua guy coming out. I actually liked them in this game just because I thought uh, at home they're pretty good. The defense is a lot better than people give a credit for. Flores has been building kind of a a very good defense over the couple seasons he's been there. I'm not sold on the kid. I never have been. Uh, He's injury prone. He had a fumble, 93 yards, and one touchdown, uh, which the defense got them down that end. So, I mean, they're going to keep starting him, and I think it's just going to be kind of a feeling out process. And like we talked about earlier, if he's not the guy, you move on, get another quarterback, and you can still have Fitzpatrick to kind of 
hold the ship down while that guy gets groomed. Or if it's Trevor Lawrence, you could start him right away because that just is what it is. But yeah, no, I've never been a big Tua guy. I just think that we've had so many short quarterbacks come into the league and most of them have worked. It's eventually that one isn't going to, you know what I mean? Not everyone's going to be Kyle Murray, Russell Wilson. You know, you're going to have some guys like Baker and like Tua who, who just aren't going to be all pro in transformative talents yeah I mean rough game for the Rams you guys know I'm not huge on the Rams I always called them a fake team and I think I mean it is what it is the Rams always do this they always come into these games that they're supposed to win and blow teams out and and they blow it and I don't like Jared Goff I think he chokes under pressure but it is what it is I mean good for the Dolphins if the Pats aren't going to win the division I at least want to go see the Dolphins try to make a run at it there's no way this dude chokes on a he literally I'm pretty sure a couple years ago he put up 56 on a Mahomes team on Sunday or Monday night football I don't think he was scared to go against the Dolphins and he was too he was too worried about his Halloween costume it's <laughs> not as Jamie Kennedy from Malibu's most <laughs> guys that game definitely had some interesting takes Cooper Cup had an outstanding game in that one. 21 targets. I don't know if you guys saw that. So that was definitely a big one for him. But Lou, are you completely off the Tua train? Or are you just still kind of wait and see? Because I don't want to sell you short here. But what I do want to sell short is that Kev still owes you his hand Tapio's pizza because the Chargers continue to blow games. Yes, he does. But uh, no, I've never been on it. I've never been on it. Uh, Alabama quarterbacks just aren't that great. We've seen it in the past. They have the best talent, and he looked good in college. He's always hurt. He had the Bo Jackson injury. I've just never been on it. I, I hope he does well. I just, I just think this is one of the few QB predictions from the last couple drafts that I'm right on. No, fair enough, fair enough. Now, guys, let's move to that Chargers game. We were just talking about the Chargers a little bit with that Rams-Chargers bet that Lou and Kev have over a Santapio's pizza. And, guys, the Broncos had 21 fourth-quarter points. How can the Chargers let up 21 fourth-quarter points? We can't be talking about another team like Atlanta. This is a young team, a team that's supposed to have a defense that can stop opposing offenses like this. We obviously would expect this for Atlanta because they don't have the studs on defense that, you know, the Chargers do. But, you know, I definitely don't expect that, and I know they're banged up. But, you know, their offense is playing good. Justin Herbert's playing good. Keenan Allen's playing good. Hunter Henry is getting a lot of targets. I don't really see, you know, even with Austin Eckwood not being there, their offense taking too much of a hit. So either, you know, the Chargers are going to have to score more points to win or that defense is going to have to see a lot more changes other than just Desmond King. Yeah, man. I mean, I just think it, it starts with Anthony Lynn. I mean, it's not Herbert's fault. I mean, they put up 30 points. Like, you're asking a dude without his best running back as a rookie to put up 30 plus every game and to pray the defense doesn't blow it. Uh, So they do need to make a couple changes. And I think the Broncos are all right. I mean, their defense is always going to be somewhat solid. And I do like Drew Locke, but I'm going to slow down a little bit on him. I mean, we saw with the Pats game plus this game, seven quarters of bad football. And then he pulled off one very good quarter. So I do like the kid. I mean, I feel bad for him. He's had six head coaches between his NFL and college career coordinators as well. He's, he's had a lot of different people in his ear learning new systems. I think they'll be set for the future. And I, I do like the Chargers. That, that division with the Raiders and the Chiefs, that's very interesting. And, and no easy games in that division. Yeah, I definitely think that Chargers defense needs to to step up. Like Lou said, they scored 30 points. And, you know, yeah, you could say maybe you know, another touchdown wouldn't hurt. But... 
realistically, that's on that defense, especially like you said, Steve, this is a defense we talk about that should be able to stop good offense, let alone the Broncos offense. So that defense definitely needs to step up and and Herbert's going to get that offense going and and they're going to put up points. So if that defense can start stopping offenses, especially ones bad as the Denver Broncos, then they'll be in good shape. No, I definitely agree. Now, guys, let's go to a game. After our upsets, we talked about all of our upsets. The Titans lost, the Packers lost, the Rams lost, the Chargers lost after having the lead. A game that we really were talking about and hyping up was going to be one of the better games of the week. And I obviously had some comments that I took back earlier. I still had the Ravens above the Pittsburgh Steelers in the power rankings, especially after the acquisition of Yannick Ngakwe. And guys, I have to say I was wrong. Steelers came out. They earned my respect. But I have to say in that game, neither team really blew me away. I mean, both teams consistently made their mistakes throughout. And you kind of have to realize that it's a division game, and that's very possible. Both of those defenses are really good. But, you know, Lamar can't make that interception on the very first drive of the game, that big interception. That linebacker is right in the middle of the field. You have to see that. Big Ben had some costly interceptions as well, but the Steelers ended up being the better team in the end. I wish the Ravens kind of stuck to the run more early in those first two, three drives because I feel like it would have changed the game, changed the time of possession. Definitely would have changed the score a little bit and how the numbers looked during the first half. But guys, I think this stage is going to be set for an even better game when we go to Pittsburgh the next time the Ravens and the Steelers play. Yeah, man, if I'm the Steelers, I actually feel pretty good about it because they lost every stat line, pretty much every stat line, and they still came out on top. I mean, it's just proven. What what they really did was they said, we're going to blitz you occasionally we're going to play zone and take away the seam and make Lamar throw to the outside into the receivers. And we've just constantly seen that he cannot do it. I mean, and then on the final play of the game where they had a chance to come back, everybody knew he was going to run it. Everybody knew in that short situation, he was going to run it. They were ready. They punched the football out and put an end to it. You know what I mean? It's just the Steelers didn't play their best game. Neither did the Ravens, but I'm feeling pretty good if I'm the Steelers taking that win on the road, knowing you didn't play a great game and you still came out on top versus a a division rival. But it's clear Lamar just has to get better and do the things that he needs to do as a quarterback, throw to the outside. I mean, including yesterday, they have three total touchdowns to wide receivers on the season. That just can't happen. Yeah, I got to shout out Uncle Tony on this one because he was texting me the other day. Wasn't too happy that I had the Ravens outside of my top five, but... I think now we see why. I mean, it's it's the same thing over and over again. It's it's big games, and it's the Ravens losing games like this. And shout out to the Steelers. You know, I know me and Lou have been saying it all along. Steve's finally joined the train, so shout out to Steve. But the Steelers are a really good team and a team that you shouldn't take lightly. And, and they're a team that, you know, isn't going to let a guy like Lamar Jackson beat them. And we saw that, you know, on Sunday. So, they're ready, you know, they're hungry, they want to win a Super Bowl, so they're the team to beat in the AFC right now, if you ask me. Ooh, I still go Chiefs. I know you guys have been saying the Steelers. Team to be in the AFC is very debatable. But guys, before we wrap up that Steelers-Ravens game, have to say the Steelers made a great acquisition. They saved Avery Williamson from the Jets, and that is a strong acquisition to an already good defense, already good linebacking core. So Avery Williamson for a couple low-round pick exchanges goes to the Steelers now guys another team that had a trade the Saints acquired another linebacker Quan Alexander they traded Kiko Alonso in a draft pick for Quan Alexander 
I think that's a good acquisition for a Saints defense that, you know, really toughed out a, a big win in Chicago. Kev, I know you're a big Chicago guy. Holman, I know you're going to be listening. Uh, that definitely was a tough loss. But guys, if you saw the Sunday spreads since the Sandbox Degenerate Sundays, I said the Bears were going to cover the spread. I didn't know how that game was necessarily going to go. The weather conditions weren't good. But after seeing that game, should Chicago switch back to Mitch? Nick Foles hasn't looked good. Lou, you've been attesting that for a little bit. And as far as the Saints go, will Michael Thomas play next game? And their biggest test of the season is at Tampa next week. Yeah, man, I I thought they squeaked by with a win. I mean, you played an awful Bears O-line with a Nick Foles who throws a pick every game. They, They bench Mitch Trubisky who I don't like either, at 3-0 and for one pick in a game. And Foles has thrown one in every single game he's played. Like, like, come on, what are you doing Like, at this point? The Saints should be extremely lucky that they won that in OT. Like, absolutely seriously. You're playing a solidified backup who's being carried by a good defense in Allen Robinson. I mean, and they had a couple of injuries as well, uh, the Bears during that game. So, yeah, man, I, the Saints still haven't showed me a goddamn thing. And next week will be a test. But I, I do think it does look good for the Bears because if you have the second-tier quarterback on your team playing like this and you're still coming in close games with supposed to be an elite team in the Saints, I'd feel pretty good if I'm the Bears going into uh, the Titans next week. Yeah, and I'm, I was one of the ones big on the whole, you know, starting Nick Foles over Mitch Trubisky thing. Not so much anymore. Um, you know, not sure what they're going to do. But, you know, whether it's Trubisky or Foles starting, I definitely think they need to be shopping around, seeing if there's any free agents or any quarterbacks to trade for, maybe see if there's anyone in the draft. Obviously, they're not going to have the highest draft pick, but definitely should go shopping around for a quarterback because I don't trust either of these guys to – to be the, that guy to, to take them to the level that they want to be at. The Bears definitely put themselves in, in a tough situation as far as quarterback and trades go. Clearly handicapped themselves a lot with the Mitch Trubisky trade and the Khalil Mack trade. So getting help there definitely would be an option if they could find it for the right price. But in my opinion, I think they're just going to have to make do with either Mitch or Foles and Honestly, you really might have to go back to Mitch. Even if it got done ugly, it probably got done a little more efficiently. Um, and Kev, I also was on the Foles bandwagon. And honestly, if Mitch comes back and plays bad, I'm sure I'll flip-flop again. But that quarterback room, I mean, I really don't think the play would matter even that much. Guys, two more games on the impressions that we have to talk about. And they're both of your favorite teams, guys. We have to talk about the Pats. We have to talk about the Colts. But guys, first. Let's handle the AFC East, which looks like it's going to be a crazy division again. Pats have a game next week versus the Jets. I believe that's going to be Monday Night Football. Yes, another ugly primetime game. This Sunday, we got the Cowboys and the Eagles. And, man, that was ugly. Next Monday is going to be ugly. The Giants are actually keeping it competitive this Monday night. So, shout out to my G-men. The Pats couldn't capitalize on the Bills' missed opportunities throughout the game. Um, and that's kind of been the, the same script for the past couple of weeks with them. Um, we saw Cam fumble the ball late when they were driving down the field. We saw turnovers be the problem last week. Clearly, he doesn't have, you know, the best surrounding pieces around him. But there's definitely instances throughout the game where you would think, oh, maybe we could push through. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. But the Bills got another ugly win. And guys, I honestly think I have to change my power rankings around for the next time we do it. I think the Bills might be a better team than than the Chicago Bears might be right now. 
Yeah, man. I honestly don't have a ton bad to say about the Pats this week. I mean, last year, it came down to the wire with Brady there versus the Bills. They had a very competitive first game. But I think they're headed in the right direction for a Stephon Gilmoreless, Julian Edelman, this team. They're headed in the right direction. They look slightly better. They ran the football much more efficiently. And I mean, they had a ton of offensive penalties. The holdings just have to stop, man. Shaq Mason's good for at least one or two a game every week. It just seems like. But man, again, it's it's Cam not taking care of the football. I mean, and say what you want about, about my guy, Phillip Rivers, but he had three touchdowns this week. Cam hasn't had a touchdown throwing the football in the last three. So, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I don't think he's good enough to carry those weapons that aren't very good as well, but I think they're headed in the right direction. Definitely going to gain a little momentum versus the Jets. And at least this week, they lost to a good team on the road and had a chance to win it. You know, they're slowly improving, getting back to the New England way, I guess. You know what I mean? Good defense, ground and pound. I still think they'll go eight and eight on the season, but it it all starts uh, with the Jets on Monday. That should be an easy game for them, but we'll see how easy it really is. Yeah, it's tough because this is a tough loss because Cam, in retrospect, didn't play awful, but that last fumble, and I'm not usually one to dwell on on one play, but that last fumble is tough, and, and these are plays that Cam Newton has to make, and he can't fumble in that situation, and that's been the story all year, even against you know Kansas City. I know Cam didn't play, but it's been costly turnovers on offense and just costly fourth downs and stuff like that, and, and these are problems that if Brady was here, we probably wouldn't be having, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, like Lou said, he hasn't had a throwing touchdown in, in three weeks, and Cam's just going to play better. That defense does look shaky at times, but considering how many people we lost in the offseason, got to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I think that offense just really needs to step up. Cam just can't do that in these situations. He, he had a great drive, had a chance to, to possibly be the hero, win us the game, or at least get us in field goal range, and, and he blew it. So at the, end of the, at the end of the game, that's what it comes down to. And guys, I don't know if you've had the chance to yet. I didn't watch the interview in full or the, the conversation in full. But Bill Belichick was asked on WEI this morning about the, the state of the Pats right now and kind of how they got there. And just to beat around the bush a little bit, a lot of it had to do with you know the Patriots going all in the past three or four years, committing to trying to get the best pieces to win another Super Bowl and make another Super Bowl run, which did successfully work out for them. But that got them in the financial situation, the draft pick situation, and so on and so forth. I agree with it to an extent. I definitely think that they did sell a lot on their future to win those couple extra Super Bowls at the end on the couple appearances as well. So I definitely agree there. But I also think that Bill hasn't done the best job with free agent acquisitions and drafting. And we clearly know about the not-so-favorable trades that, that went by the past couple of years. But like I said, we talked about the Pats and Kev's team. Um, we have to finish it off with the Colts, baby. For the shoe, Lou, for the shoe. The Lions lose again. Galladay got hurt in this one. All you Galladay fantasy owners, hip injury, that's definitely not something that you want to play with. But I will, I will definitely say that Marvin Jones will be somebody that will be on since the Sandbox's weekly pickups this week. Yeah, man, it was a good week for Colts fans, man. And I've been telling everybody for weeks that Darius Leonard effect, the maniac effect, was huge, man. Nine tackles in that game, a sack and a half, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. The dude's a monster. I mean, they were only up seven. The Lions were in the red zone, and he makes the play of the game with the sack in the strip, man. That just is 
what it is, dude. He's the leader of that team. He's the heart and soul. Rivers has been getting better. They used everybody on the team this week outside of T.Y. who left with an injury. He's just become a ghost at this point and a little bit of dead weight. But, man, Hines, Wilkins, Jack Doyle, Trey Burton. I mean, even Michael Pittman got a couple of balls his way. So I like the way we're going. I do think we might fall short to Baltimore next week. But, man, they looked good. The defense was solid for the most part, man. And that dude, the maniac, is back. And we see how big of a difference that dude makes. Yeehaw! Well, guys, that wraps up our Week 8 impressions. The Bucks and Giants are still going on right now. Uh, we have a lot to talk about for this upcoming Week 9. But, guys, make sure you're getting hip to everything since the Sandbox is doing outside of the podcast. We have a great Thanksgiving canned food drive that will be going on through the first three weeks of November. So make sure to go to our Facebook so you guys can participate in that. Sign up on our Google form and we'll come pick up some cans from you guys. And all of you guys that are interested in Since the Sandbox merchandise, I know there's a lot of you guys out there. We are accepting pre-orders for our Black Since the Sandbox hoodies until Friday. And those hoodies will release on Black Friday. Get the black hoodie, throwing it back to some fab stuff there. But that's going to wrap things up for this episode, guys. You know the deal. We only want those five stars. We hope everyone had a, a great Halloween, and we're getting back to work for week nine of the NFL. Since the Sandbox, we out.